is Appetite for Distortion. Welcome to the podcast, Appetite for Distortion. My name is Brando, episode 173. This is a unique episode for me personally because it may have been 2010, 2011. I was working on the radio show of our guest today, uh, Lou Brutus, who, I mean, you have too many titles, I think, to, and we only have a certain amount of time to talk, but... Uh, broadcaster, hard drive, hard drive XL. I worked on uh, United, with United Stations Radio Networks. Uh, you, you will know these names. Not everyone, everyone else does. Uh, but I worked underneath Bill Powell. Uh, not literally. Oh, of course. But he's, uh, he's your yeah. cur- current, current engineer. And uh, Bill, he was on an episode. I forget the... Because he co-hosted one of the episodes that I did. And forgive me for... Uh, miss. I don't remember the, the guest at the time. Uh, but obviously hard drive XL, and I remember thinking this to myself, Lou, when I first started. I'm like, finally, a radio show that plays Guns N' Roses and great classic rock, but new music, like stuff I haven't heard before. It, it was it was primarily about new music. We would salt in uh, some older stuff, uh, you know, of a, a harder variety but um yeah it was really uh it was really about new music and certainly it's it's been helpful that there are still titanically sized bands who are making new music that that's really what it's all about for sure and i remember our our friend bill he said i think you're going to like this band hailstorm and it was because of your show. And, the, of course, the first thing he plays for me is their cover of Out to Get Me. Of course, the GNR cover. And it was just so good. And I was so happy to, to work on your show. And since you're always on the road because you also do photography for Major League Baseball, uh, you're not using any trash cans to, to get the right photo, right? You're not kind of signaling to other photographers to get the right no, shot? No, no. It's, uh, uh, you know, it's funny down in those photo pits for, for MLB because there's not, uh, it, it, I, it's not unpleasant. It's it's actually very pleasant. Everybody is super nice. But, you know, as opposed to me being in the photo pit for somebody like Slipknot or All That Remains or any one of a number of other hundreds of bands that I shoot, uh, you know, it, it's it's not sort of crazy, you know, with no rules at the MLB parks. I mean, it's uh, uh, they have a particular way of doing things from park to park, which sure. I'm more than happy to do. It's, you know, uh, but no, no, uh, no trash can banging <laughs> whatsoever. I think they would probably frown on that. I know, and I know you are uh, a Mets fan. I am from New Jersey. I was born in Newark. Uh, actually, the first chapter in the book sort of references all that. The uh, the chapter is entitled "The Time I Attended My First Concert and Threw Up on Carlos Sanchez," and it's about uh, going to see Black Sabbath and Ted Nugent at Madison Square Garden, December of nineteen seventy six, and uh, taking the Lincoln Transit bus up Route Nine. Uh, and uh, getting out of Port Authority and, and going into New York. But, uh, yeah, I've been uh, uh, a Mets fan since I'm just a little kid, like literally like 
six or seven years old. Uh, and being a Mets fan is both a blessing and a curse. Uh, mostly a blessing, but man, they are snake bitten in many respects. But I've, I've got a complete collection of uh, Mets tops cards going back to 1962. Uh, I've had hundreds of them autographed through the years. So uh, baseball, uh, baseball is a big thing for me. I mean, I always tell people there are only three things I need in life: my family, including Darla the Wonder Dog, <laughs> music, and baseball. And uh, other than that, you know, everything else is sort of optional for me. What else know? is there? I mean, maybe food and air, but, you know, realistically. Yeah, well, those are good. <laughs> I'm talking about, you know, the optional things of how you uh, fill your time. So, uh, but, but uh, you know, music has always been there for me. Uh, you know, having grown up in central Jersey, I got radio and television from both New York and Philadelphia uh, and was able to hear just the, the greatest radio stations and the greatest DJs in the world growing up. And, and that was why, uh, again, by the time I was probably five or six, uh, I kind of figured I wanted to be on the radio and um, uh, managed to uh, luck into it all. Uh, and the book is um, sort of a culmination of a lot of the crazy shit that's gone on, you know, because I'm doing this professionally for uh, close to 40 years uh, and in 40 years of doing anything, you're going to see some crazy-ass stuff, but certainly in rock and roll. So, um, yeah, the book puts together not all, but a lot of the, the sort of wilder stories from uh, from the things that I've seen uh, while uh, traveling and uh, rock stars uh, uh, around, traveling with and chasing uh, rock stars around the world. So. And I'm looking forward to it. Uh, the book, because uh, we haven't mentioned it yet, uh, Sonic Warrior. My life as a rock and roll reprobate, and as someone who worked on your show, and it wasn't just the music. It was since I'm a, a radio nerd, and you know I would have to edit your voice. Not, you need too much editing, but I had to, you know, edit your your voice tracks and and wanting to know more about you because you seem like such an interesting guy, not just a presenter of music, but we talk about the Mets, and you always profess your love of of Slipknot and, and Corey Taylor, and you do great interviews. So I'm glad that you're all you're finally putting this down uh, all together. What made now the right time, I guess, because you, you have a lot to say. If anyone who follows you on social media, you have a lot to say. Well, yeah, thank you very much for all the kind words, first of all. Um, I don't know if I deserve them all, but <laughs> thank you. I'll, I'll, I'll accept the compliments nonetheless. You know, the, the, the book was more originally the idea of other people than myself, uh, anybody who knows me or has met me knows that I, I will jabber at them nonstop. Uh, and uh, with all the, the crazy shit that's gone on in my career, you know, again, I've, I've got all of these stories, which for for years, you know, my radio brethren like yourself, if we'd be at the bar after a show, you know, you all swap war stories, you sure. know. Uh, and, I, and I've, again, that I've been doing this for such a long time, and, and thankfully... Uh, at a very high level, uh, with with really good people, uh, you know, I've I've got maybe uh, maybe some more stories than uh, than most people. But uh, you know, a lot of people uh, in my profession and a lot of the artists kept saying, "You got to do a book. You got to do a book." So I, I I started to sort of cobble it together, and I had fun writing it. Uh, the, the 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 sort of voice of the book um, is pretty much me just telling you the story uh it's it's very sort of narrative driven in that sense 
Um, and each chapter is a standalone story, and it, it does not happen in any particular order. It's it's kind of like if we were just hanging out someplace shooting the shit, and everybody jumps around with different stories. That's uh, that's what this one does. Um, you know, some of the chapters in there include, you know, the the chapter I told you about the uh, uh, time I attended my first concert and threw up on Carlos Sanchez. Uh, the final chapter in the book uh, talks about my experiences covering Live Aid. Uh, when I was just uh, like, uh, I think I was barely 20 uh, and I did some runs in it over a helicopter and then backstage interviews and everything. That chapter is entitled The Time I Rained Vomit Down Upon the Largest Music Event in History because uh, I puked out of the helicopter down in the crowd. Um, there's another chapter entitled Jeez. The Time the Time I Went to the Arctic and Got in a Mosh Pit with a Bunch of Kids in Polar Bear Fur while Metallica sang about sodomizing a goat. And that's about going to the uh, the Molson Ice Polar Beach Party in Tuk 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 on the north coast of Canada uh, at Metallica's invitation to go up and uh, uh, cover this thing. Um, there's a, a ton of other stories. Some are, are, are really kind of crazy and sick. Uh, some are just so, sort of short and goofy. Um that was well, one of the early people who read a, an advance of the book said, you know, the, the book's pretty goofy in spots. And I was like, fucking rock and roll is goofy. Like, what do you want to make? <laughs> of course it's goofy. It's about, it's about rock music. Um, but again, um, it, it was, it was a lot of fun to write. And, uh, you know, again, I hope people, uh, enjoy it who have sort of followed my career all these years and all the, the kind of cool stuff I've gotten to do. Uh, and I, I think perhaps in certain ways it'll give people uh, an insight as to how all of this really runs, how the rock and roll business uh, really runs, because it's it's terribly non-glamorous uh, and uh, uh, kind of weird, and uh, it can be less than pleasant sometimes. Uh, and yet everybody soldiers through. Um, and uh, I, I just hope it's a fun read for people. That's that's really the bottom line. And Corey Taylor did the forward? Yeah, Corey did the, the, the forward for me. He was one of the people who really encouraged me to write the book. Nice. Because, uh, uh, again, from the first time he and I met, uh, and he had been a listener to the show for many years before that, um, he said, you've got to put this in a book. You've got to put this in a book. Fuck, I've got books out. If I can write a book, you can write a book. Um, and, and I finally said, well, you, then you got to write the forward for it. He said, I'll write the fucking forward for it. Write the book. <laughs> so, uh, and it was a, a little over a year ago that he came to me and said, where's the book? I thought you had the book coming out. I got the forward in my head. I'm ready to write it. But like, like, where's the book? And I said, well, you know, I got so many other stories I want to put in, you know, I've got enough for, you know, two to 300 pages already, but I got to put in. And he looks at me like I'm the stupidest guy on the planet and said, you fucking idiot. You just write another book after this one. I was like, <laughs> oh, yeah, of course. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, and it was right after that, my uh, my lid agent found me the deal. And uh, uh, we kind of uh, went into overdrive to uh, finish the book. And then, of course, uh all the editing and uh, and that kind of nonsense. One of the other cool things in the book, and, and you've mentioned my photography, there are no photos in the book. Oh, wow. Um, That's I, surprising. I, well, but, but here's the deal. Um, I didn't want to just stick pictures in there. Um, I, I think maybe one day I'd like to do a book of my photography. And again, I've, I've shot baseball and 
hundreds of rock bands, many of which have given me access. You know, I travel with the bands on their bus or on their plane, or uh, you know, I, I'm I'm you know kind of with them twenty four seven. There's all that stuff, sports stuff. I do a lot of astrophotography and a, a, a number of other things, but. I wanted things that would just relate to the stories in the book. And, and some of those things we had photos of. There's a, a story in the book about the closing night in the U.S. of the Subliminal Versus Tour, which I flew in to, uh, to host. Uh, it was Slipknot at the Alliant Energy Center in Madison, Wisconsin. And uh, uh, I won't go into the full details, but somehow during Shadow's Fall set, Shadow's False set, um, Corey is buck naked on stage except for his junk, which is wrapped up. I, I think he's got like a sock uh, wrapped with duct tape and black plastic bag uh, and his slipknot mask on. And I'm chasing him around the stage amongst the Shadows Fall guys in front of 10,000 people dressed as Hunter Thompson. Uh, so that's one book. And there are photographs of that. There's also photographs from another chapter entitled The Time Our Tour Bus Ran Over a Guy on the New Jersey Turnpike. Uh, and that was, uh, uh, you know, I was out on the road to Stone Sour, and we, we hit a guy in the New Jersey Turnpike, uh, and it turned out okay. He was he was banged up a little bit, but he was uh, uh, physically okay. If he had been really hurt, I never would have put it in the book. Uh, and those are some of the things that I have pictures of, but I didn't have enough pictures to consistently um, have something for every chapter because some of the things went back so far, and some of the things occurred at, at places where you wouldn't whip out a camera and start taking pictures. Um, but what I did have was the ability to put illustrations in. And uh, for anybody who follows me online or goes to my website or any of that stuff, they they will more than likely be very familiar with the artwork of a, he's a very old friend of mine and we've been doing projects together for decades, uh, an artist by the name of Alan McBain. And we've done, um, comic books together he's done uh, the album covers for one of the bands i'm in uh, this uh, ohio state uh uh university football rivalry band called the dead Shembecklers. Uh, alan and i we've been thick as thieves for many decades anyway alan uh, has done an original illustration one for each chapter in the book and i thought well, if I can't have the photos in there for consistency, we can do the illustrations. And uh, uh, A, it gives the, the book consistency, and it gives you something really cool to look at because he's very Mad Magazine-esque, so I think that lends itself to these sorts of stories. Um, but I don't think that there's been anything that I've seen in a, a, a biography or an autobiography or a memoir like this, let alone a rock and roll-style memoir that had – illustrations like this so um I'm, I'm excited for people to finally see those now um there, there have been advanced reader copies as they're called of the book floating around and they've gone out to some reviewers already and some other folks who ever get those sort of things but the illustrations are not in there yet so uh, other than a few friends nobody has uh has really seen these things so that's another uh another part of the book that i'm really excited for uh for people to check out along with just uh, with just reading it. I know it's going to be put together so well. And just Lou Brutus on Instagram and Twitter and, and Facebook, you're always putting out very poignant rock points. And uh, you're, you're uh, so I'm gl- another reason why I'm glad you're writing a book because it's not just that you're well-spoken. You write well. It's going to be exciting to see both worlds uh, kind of collide in a bit. I'm curious. Well, oh, go ahead. 
Oh, no, no. I was going to say thank you again for that. And, uh, yeah, the one bit of feedback I've gotten, and I'll, I'll make this uh, brief because I know you want to go to the next point. Um, the one bit of feedback I've gotten from the folks who have read it who know me has been, oh, it reads like you telling me the story. As and that's should. exactly what I wanted. And and none of the chapters are super long. Some of them are actually only two or three pages. There's a whole bunch in there. There's, you know, uh, at least a couple of dozen stories in there. Um, and, and it's a quick read. You know, one guy I know read it in a little over a day. Uh, and it, I think it's probably going to be a good bathroom reader. Okay. The chapters are short, so you can... You can head in, take care of business, and read the read one of the shorter chapters. But you were going to say you were going to ask. Yeah, I'm, I'm just curious if you haven't. Of course, I'm sure you have noticed the name of my my podcast. So I don't know if you have any GNR stories in the book, but just in general, I was wondering if you can share perhaps, you know, some if you've interviewed Slash or Duff McKagan, any Guns and Roses stories along your your path. You know, there's nothing I, I've made. I, I think I made some references to them in the book. There are no specific Guns and Roses stories, but only because, and it's not from lack of interaction with the band. Uh, it's just that I never really had any crazy shit go on with them that would lend itself to a story. Sure. Um, you know, I, I was at some GNR shows back in the day where you know we waited around till two o'clock in the morning for the band to come out, or the band didn't show, or. You know, uh, that, that's why, by the way, I thought it was really funny when the guys first came back and then they sort of reconstituted uh, what we'll call, you know, uh, the, the classic lineup of Guns N' Roses. That first show and everybody was in a panic. Oh, my God, they're going to start late. It's going to be like, the oh, it's going to be a disaster. Right. Um, they started that first show early. They actually went on two or three minutes early. And that was and, and I don't know this for a fact. I'm just guessing. But I'm guessing it was Axel going, fuck you to everybody. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, you'll see. I'll, we'll start this fucking thing early. Uh, and again, just a guess, but it's probably uh, a pretty good one. But, uh, yeah, I've had um, I've had tons of interviews with uh, all of the guys. I don't think I ever interviewed Axel, maybe on the phone once back in the super early 90s. But um, I always found the guys really pleasant. Um, you know, Duff is sharp as a tack. He's an interesting dude. Uh, and Slash is just one of the nicest people going. Uh, and, and this is in addition to the fact that these people are very great artists. And, uh, you know, these people talk to me because, you know, I'm on the radio, uh, you know, all around the world and, and, and they're there to promote stuff. It's not like I'm a great guy or anything, but, um, I am very, I am blessed to be able to have these people come in and, uh, 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 to uh, to talk to me, and uh, you know, uh, all of the GNR guys through the years. Um, one thing they have in common is they're all good at explaining how they work. Uh, you know, you've done a ton of interviews. Sometimes you will speak to a musician, and they're great at making music, but ask them to explain how they make the music, and, and they're just not good at it. Right. Some people are are great in front of. 50,000 people, but they're really awkward in front of five. Um, but with the, the, the Gunner guys, um, everybody has been, uh, has always been very personable and, and nice. And I, you know, of course I always try and bring my A game with anybody large or small. Uh, and, and hopefully that's not lost on them, but, uh, yeah, I've got nothing, uh, nothing but good things to say, uh, about all those guys. Uh, and I'm, I'm very happy that, um, 
you know, the, the summer tour is on the way. I think that's going to be great. I'll be curious to see who opens those shows. I know Smashing Pumpkins uh, is doing some. I think it's a great slot for uh, for bands. And uh, from my understanding, they treat everybody really good out on tour, which, uh, I you know, back in the day, they were kind of, right, you know, right, yeah. a little hit or miss with, with everybody. But, um, uh, you know, I, I just love to see it. When a huge headliner, especially somebody of legendary status like Guns N' Roses, treats the openers really, really well, that makes me feel good. You know, to, to tie everything together, because, of course, you know, we're here talking about Sonic Warrior, your upcoming book coming out uh, April 14th. Uh, with with guns going out on tour this summer and, of course, my Facebook decided to cl- close your status uh, because you had a funny point because people were compa- uh, complaining about uh, prices, of course. But today, the Foo Fighters announced a bunch of shows, a major co-headlining tour between Corn and Faith No More. And you were saying all these gr- good shows coming up. And you're like, the bad? Your wallet has announced that you won't have any money for food until next year. So how do you feel yeah. for someone like you've gone to shows, like you said, you were at Live Aid before you were 20 and seeing the evolution of concerts is is the the, up, the, the price to be expected. How do you feel as uh, as a concert goer, not just a radio guy and a photographer? How do you feel as a concert goer now in 2020? Well, well, well first of all, I, you know, I'm uh, I'm old enough to remember when if you brought on a corporate sponsor to a tour, you were like a sellout piece of crap like <laughs> like, you, you, like it could end your career that's not a joke right. um now it's the only way people can afford to go on the road uh and i know there's a lot of people who completely listen the bands at least most bands i should say they charge a price that they need to charge for the production and the size of what they're bringing on the road there are rare instances where I see people charge a premium price and you get there and there isn't shit for production. You know, if a concert ticket costs X amount of dollars, then I think you should see X amount of show for that money. Makes sense. You know, kiss tickets cost a certain amount, but when you walk in, you see where they spent your money and yeah, they're making a profit, but, they should be able to make a profit. Uh, and I know a lot of people complain about VIP packages. You know, well, the band charges for meet and greets and, you know, the band, oh, they got a whiskey now. And the, the, the band is doing this and that for money. Well, you know what? They can't make any fucking money selling records anymore because nobody pays for their fucking music anymore. Yeah. You know what? Metallica saw this happening decades ago and everybody shit all over Metallica, especially Lars. Well, you know what? Metallica was absolutely fucking right about all of that. Yeah. And you know what? Metallica survived because they can, because they're a huge band and they're a concert draw. But all those smaller and medium bands got fucked by all that. And you know what? Um, As much as I support fans, um, you, you can't fault the bands for trying to find alternative revenue streams. It's the only way that they can survive. That's the way it is. And if you don't like it, you're just not facing up to reality. So... Those are all good points, absolutely, and it's why I, I just save my money for concerts. I don't, I wear the same clothes I've yeah, been wearing I, in middle from, from since middle school. It's, it's all towards uh, going to concerts. So, and yeah, just to get yeah, your perspective, I, I, it's I, great. I, I mean, for me, uh, for the most part, I get in for free, but I'm there to work. You know, it's, sure. it's part of the gig. 
Um, you know, there are some bands I'm super friendly with, so, you know, they'll invite me and uh, a lot of them will let me travel with them and photograph and, and all that kind of stuff. But, uh, you know, it's all there in the book. And, and before I go, I do want to remind everybody, the full title of the book is Sonic Warrior, My Life is a Rock and Roll Reprobate, Tales of Sex, Drugs, and Vomiting at Inopportune Moments. Uh, it's out on April 14th. That's the same day the audio book is out, which I've narrated myself. Great. Um, you can pre-order from Amazon or Barnes and Noble. You can pre-order from my publisher, Rare Bird Books. Those are autographed first editions. Uh, there will be book tour information. Watch LouBrutus.com for that. Uh, and I'm going to be doing book tour stuff the entire year. Um, so, uh, I'm going to make it to, uh, absolutely everywhere I can. But really, I just hope that anybody who is a music fan, let alone whether they follow my crap or not, uh, will enjoy the book. I, I think they will. I, it's fun. It's not a scandalous, hey, I saw somebody cheating on their wife and doing drugs kind of book. I'm, I probably could have written a book like that, but I'm not an asshole. <laughs> At least I try not to be. Um, and, uh, you know, there's still plenty of behind-the-scenes stuff, but it's uh, uh, it's good goofy rock and roll fun and uh i think with the state of the world i think people need a good goofy fun book right now so uh, hopefully this will fit the bill for everybody you're right congratulations on it and you know working on your show all those years ago as an up-and-coming radio guy and you know doing on-air stuff i mean i took a lot away from the show i learned from bill how to edit and do all these things but i learned a lot from you on how to be a personality not just be a presenter. Well, so uh, it's it's been it's it's very cool, and I'm glad you're finally putting it all down. Well, I appreciate you saying that. And in the acknowledgments at the end of the book, there is a paragraph thanking everybody who has worked on the show, including all of the board ops and the nice. people who have edited everything, because that's important to radio and and. And folks like that do not get thanked enough. But thank you for having me on. If you want to do some more on the book, let's uh, let's set up another session. I'd love to do it, but I appreciate being here. A great honor. Yeah, I, I, I would love it. So next time you're in the city, because I know you do stuff at SiriusXM, I would love to have you in studio. And I would be remiss if, because I know we technically met once, but you were just not in studio a lot. So the one time you met me, I had a mustache for our charity. And I'm actually wearing the same newsy cap I'm wearing now. And you look at me, you're like, you look like Serpico. <laughs> I was like, okay. Oh, I remember that. Yeah. Do you really? Okay. A, a great Al Pacino film. Yeah, so. yeah. So you said it looked like Serpico. And I was like, oh, okay. I'll take it. It's fair. <laughs> well, Lou, congrats. Thank you so much for your time. And we'll do this again for sure. I'll see you soon. Thank you for having me. Thank you, Lou. Take care. Bye. Very cool. Another conversation I thoroughly enjoyed having here on Appetite for Distortion. Hope you did as well. But let's wrap up this episode with a segment I like to call Mail. Here's the mail, it never fails. It makes me want to wag my tail. When it comes, I want to wail. Oh, <laughs> We're going to talk more about the sound bites in just a second. But what I like to do here, it's not just uh, you can submit uh, questions or a story on social media, facebook.com slash the AFD show or on Twitter, at the AFD Show, or on Instagram, Appetite for Distortion. These are a mix of all of it. It could be a review left on one of our podcast platforms. It could be something, a comment left on a post. Just certain comments left by you, the AFD Show listener, that I want to read on the show. So here we go. 
First up, you may remember this name because I thanked him last episode. Uh, Anderson from San Antonio, Texas. He is the one that suggested getting Ron Young on the show. So he writes on Instagram, uh, as you mentioned, Ron was the perfect guest for your show. Humble, informative, and a piece of the GNR story. I really appreciate spending my time learning and putting small pieces of the GNR puzzle together. Your voice, rhythm, attitude, curiosity, and enthusiasm translate perfectly. I can't wait to see where the AFD podcast goes in 2020. This episode was a home run. Very appreciated. Well, Anderson, that that comment was very much appreciated. Thank you for, for all of that. Uh, next comment I want to read is from Kenneth Ramon. Not sure if there's any relation. Uh, love the podcast, man. Would you please interview more former members of Adler's Appetite? I'm super interested in how the band came about, what it was like playing for former members to play the Appetite stuff, and how members were chosen. I have a project where I'm trying to get all the members to sign my copy of Appetite. So far, I have Colby, Veal, uh, Robo, Sean McNabb, and the current lineup on mine, as well as Duff on the band photo. Keep up the great work. Well, thank you, Kenneth. Again, you, I, I want these submissions, and we've had former members of the uh, of Adler's Appetite and, and current members. Uh, one of my favorites was uh, Tanya O'Callaghan, the awesome bassist that Stephen has now. And you know, we've had Johnny Kelly, who's currently in Hookers and Blow with Dizzy Reed, who's been with Adler's Appetite and and chips enough, but these are all really good names. Again, it doesn't have to be a top-tier name for you to have a great story. It's the same thing with you as the listener. You can have great stories. Just because you're not famous, it doesn't really it doesn't make a difference. A good story is a good story. So uh, so thank you, Kenneth. Oh, and that, by the way, that, that comment was on Facebook. Uh, last one I'm going to read, and we're going to break this down a little bit, and it's going to be fun. It's all good. Uh, this is from Cthulhu1369 uh, via Apple Podcasts. So please leave us a review if your platform allows it for wherever you listen. I mean, you can always leave a review or comment, you know, iHeartRadio. But again, this is uh, Apple Podcasts. So the title of his review was Not Bad, But. <laughs> oh, God. Here we go. Uh, I found this podcast through a show that Brandon was a producer on. That's very cool. So. I guess it was either the Buck Sexton Show, which is a conservative radio here at uh, Premier Radio Networks, or maybe Q104.3, the rock station down the hall. Uh, either way, I appreciate you hearing me somewhere else and then seeking out my podcast. I started on the first episode and just finished episode 72. Wow. So far, I'm enjoying the podcast, but do have some issues. Okay. The first one is that the sound effects need to go away. Oh, Axel. Oh, man. I'm talking about the random clips inserted in the middle of the interview, where I'm in the episodes they have toned down, where I am in the episodes they've toned down, but stop them, please. Brandon also needs to stop with his incessant need to bring attention to himself. Whenever he plays the shotgun news clip, he has to explain himself or even make it seem like he's embarrassed, which... Chances are I usually am embarrassed. That's my life. Uh, just play it and move on. Uh, then there is the con- constant need to bring attention, to bring up, excuse me, to bring up his medical condition. A lot of times it would be fine if he didn't go overboard with talking about it. Uh, you have a guy like Raz Q who's in a wheelchair and barely discussed it. 
even the painter who is a quadriplegic, his name is uh, Tommy Hollenstein, uh, uh, seemed awkward when Brandon kept bringing this up. This is not a personal attack because I think Brandon is a cool guy. Thank you. <laughs> but it's the overall look at me awkwardness that I don't like. Uh, lastly, he doesn't like criticism and is rude to people who don't leave him a perfect review. Uh, he doesn't have to do anything to change based upon based on what I've said, but I also don't have to keep quiet about my opinions. Again, this is from Cthulhu, uh, 1369 on Apple Podcasts. And first, I just want to say... You certainly do not have to keep quiet on your opinions. I never want that at all. You know, whether it's just about this show or just any of the silly, you know, questions I put out there on social media, share your opinion. You know, I don't have to agree with it unless it's something like offensive, like really offensive. There's a difference between saying something mean, malicious or offensive than just a an argument you disagree with or a position you disagree with. So uh, I, I don't care about that. Uh, one... You know, I've heard about the sound bites before, <laughs> and I'm going to be honest with you. I I don't pretend to have more positive reviews than I do negative. Uh, I it's just because it's true. I think the worst uh, person who ever reached out to me just inboxed me on Facebook, and all it said was "fuck you." <laughs> so I wrote "fuck you too," and he blocked it. Blocked the guy. I mean, come on. But for the most part, and I'm thinking because he, he just started these episodes. Uh, it may have been one time that I, it was like one of our first reviews on Facebook and the guy gave us one star and, and actually a lot of it was about the sound bites. Axel, you are the Super Bowl of self abuse. <laughs> and you know what? I look at it this way and you can have your opinions. It's fine. And it's something that I did take into account when that guy said it. And I do take it into account that you say it when you say it. It's just something that I am aware of, and I don't want to be, if you're familiar with It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia, that show, there was a, an episode where they uh, D and Dennis started a podcast, and they started using all these stupid sound effects, and it's like the typical Z Morning Zoo stuff, fart noises. I don't want to be that. I don't want to be that. All my sounds, usually, you know, 90% of them are Guns N' Roses related, so I think it's a unique thing to have like a morning radio or radio show that not to just play sound bites because that's that could be hack, but to play Guns and Roses kind of stuff, I think is is fun. I think we gotta give him a cool name, Axel. Yeah. But oh, come man. on, not Axel. This is serious. I mean, come on, they're, they're great. And sometimes after I'm done, uh, when I'm editing the episode, I may have a sound clip in mind when I'm talking, and I'll put it in later because I just don't have it queued up. And and it's, this is the truth. I'll edit and I'll listen to it. I'm like, just because this part of the conversation made me think about this clip from The Simpsons or from this movie, does it fit in here? Is it jarring? Does it really come out of nowhere? And I do wrestle with that at times, that those those thoughts, and, and see how it fits. But again, it, it's trying me trying to be different. Because uh, I know, of course, you know, being a Guns N' Roses podcast is pretty different in itself. But the podcast game is so uh, – it doesn't have a shape yet. It's so it – leaves up open the room just to be creative. And podcasts are just people talking, right? And, like, I, I get it. But I want to add more production value to it. And if it's, you know, like a silly quote, you know, a silly sound effect, sound bite, catchphrase, you know, I try to use it appropriately. But I I do <laughs> I'm glad that you notice I don't play them as much. Uh, also, 
And I'm, I'm again. I I'm not going to bash this review. I appreciate this review. So I just want to talk about these things because maybe you're on the same page as Cthulhu. These things run through your mind as well. I just want to give you the method behind my madness with it, with all of it. Uh, with the, the attention to myself, I'm just not that kind of a radio guy where I do talk about myself. If you ask anybody, I always introduce myself as Brandon. I, I even before this podcast, I would feel weird, and I started in, in radio, and people started calling me Brando off the air. I would always say to them, "I feel weird because I'm not Axel, I'm not Bono, I'm not Slash, I'm not these one name cool people." But people just like calling me Brando, so I just stuck with it. But the reason I, I talk about myself a lot is there's a couple reasons. One is for the guests to be comfortable, for them to know who they're talking to. Because for the most part, if I do talk to them beforehand, yes, there are some people that I will speak on the phone beforehand and have a nice chat. But for the most part, it's just an email. And maybe not even with that specific person. It could be through their label or through their uh, – through like listeners. Like Lee was setting this up with – I mean I've spoken to Vicky before, but just that's just an example. So I just may not talk to my guest until I'm on the microphone with them. And I, I it's a way to loosen them up, that they're here not just to be questioned. They're here not just to promote whatever they need to promote, that they're talking to a person. And I feel that's going to get more out of them. And at the same time, I want to represent you, the fan. So I want to say, hey, this is about the X about my life, perhaps you know, while I'm hopefully relating that to a certain guest, you on the other side of the dial or whatever of the podcast listening could be like, oh, you know what? I'm kind of like that too. I'm like Brandon. I'm like Brando or, you know, I'm like this guest. So that's the reason really behind it. I just don't have the, and I'm being honest, I just don't have the self-esteem to have an ego. That's why I've been fucking therapy for 10 years and, uh, you know, antidepressants. That's true. Uh, medical condition, I think it's funny. You know, if this is the first podcast uh, that you've listened to because we're always getting new listeners all the time. I have uh, demyelinating peripheral neuropathy. So just in layman's terms, it's something missing in my nerves so the message doesn't fully get there in the brain. So I walk with a limp. I have leg braces. I use a cane. I'm in no physical pain, but it's like weakness and balance and that kind of thing. And before I really got to know Raz... Uh, as a person, it was just, I want to talk about, again, I'm representing a fan base. I know there are other handicapped Guns N' Roses fans out there. And I think it's a unique perspective when we talk about, when I have talked about the the handicapped concert going experience. And as a person with a disability, I know that it's not something you always want to talk about. So maybe Raz, I mean, they, they both Raz and Tommy Hollenstein knew. I told them about me before, so I wasn't just bringing up them uh, up randomly. I'm like, "Oh, hey, I'm a handicapped too," you know, live on a podcast. But it's it's to, again to make that connection to the guest. That's really what I go for a lot. It's not just the entertainment value of of all of you listening, but it's for the guest. I want them to remember me. You know, I want them to remember the show. I want them to come back. I want them to say, "Wow." What a great conversation I just had. And I have to give some of myself to get that. So that's the rhyme or reason. 
you know, maybe are there other examples that, you know, maybe was a humble brag? I, I don't, I mean, maybe you could get, I don't, I don't want to say no, because maybe that happens, but that's not usually uh, the way I operate. Um, and I, what else did he say? Uh, <laughs> the overall look at me awkwardness. I'm just an awkward dude, my man. That's just the way it is. And before this whole Guns N' Roses podcast thing became a thing, you know, I'm, I'm talking about myself now because perhaps you're the same. I would compare myself and how I operate to Axl Rose, you know, when I was younger. Before I really, you know, as I got older, these are just, they're, we're all just people, yada, yada. But it's, it's being afraid of putting yourself out there. And when I, I do live radio, it's you say it, it's done, it's over. And, you know, as like a performance, maybe like, you know, Axel or Slash, if they, 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 they're not happy with the performance, you know, I get mad at myself. I've yelled in the studio and like, oh, that was such a stupid thing I said. What the fuck? Getting upset at myself. And when I do this podcast, I have to learn to be okay and not go crazy with the editing after and be like this is the conversation this is is it is what it is let me put it out there and if it's good people will like it and i would think about that in relation to axel and chinese democracy you know to going over it and over and over it and wanting it to be up to your expectations and wondering if people are going to like it or people are going to like you you know and we've talked about the anxiety that axel and slash have going on stage and i have that same anxiety talking into a microphone i really do but i do it Axel and Slash do it, so it's all the uh, all of that is is just again there's a method to the madness, and I may have been rude to that that first person who uh, gave me one star, and this person gave me three, and the reason is, and I'm not gonna bitch about that. The reason why I bring it up is because, well, I'm a nobody in the grand scheme of things. Uh, I shouldn't say the grand scheme of things. I'm a nobody as far as. How many podcasts are out there? How many radio shows are out there? How many famous journalists are there out there? I'm trying to establish who I am and what I have to to offer. And that's very hard. You know, it's word of mouth through listeners like you and guests. You know, I've had guests tell other guests to come on and, you know, I, I want to develop a good reputation. So that's why when I've had... Tommy Stinson on and Richard Fortas. I'm not beating them with Guns N' Roses questions because I want them to have a good experience and would, which would leave the, the door open for me for even bigger and better interviews. But the, uh, and I may have been hamming it up when I was kind of, I think it was like, what did I do? I get in the ring segment is what I called it. Um, it's because some of these, since I'm, I'm still building my brand, these labels and such will look at my social media and will and will research me. Like, what is this Brando all about? What is Appetite for Distortion all about? And they see the number of Facebook likes. They see the number of Twitter followers. And they see the reviews left on Apple Podcasts. So, obviously, if they see something that's all five stars, wow. But if they see three stars or one star, it's like, oh, what's this all about? So that's my line of thinking. You can have a negative review or opinion or whatever it is. It's just the overall of benefit. The overall benefit for all of us really is to not to be worried 
and have a door open to get a slash, to get a duff, to get people, you know, to build a reputation, to continue the the, the solid foundation of this podcast. So that that's what it's mainly about. It's not like me being personally offended. It's more of, come on, don't chip away at this podcast that we all love. Let's, you know, if you want to make it better, if you have suggestions, tell me. But at the same time, do you have to rank my podcast low? That doesn't help. <laughs> you know, your comment could help enough, but to, you know, to, to diminish the amount of stars that, you know, that doesn't really help, but I'm not going to get mad. So all in all, I'm going to say thank you, Cthulhu. 1369 on Apple Podcast for that very uh, opinionated, well thought out review. See, I ain't get mad. I wasn't. I wasn't rude. I don't think so. So, if you would like to leave a review, no matter what your opinion is, please do. Apple Podcasts, uh, iHeartRadio, Spreaker. You know, you can always leave messages on AlternativeNation.net. We have our podcast up there. SoundCloud. You know, I, I'm respo- responding to comments, so I, I try to engage with all of you as much as possible. And I'm just, it may not seem like it, but I'm making this up as I go along, making up this podcast, and I've been very fortunate to have built a nice little fan base and to get the guests that I've had on because, again, I'm flying like a, like a, I'm flying like a space brain here, putting this podcast together. So any, any constructive criticism is a. Uh, is a okay, but I mean, I've had some good feedback as far as uh, some sound effects. I've had good and bad feedback, but it does it does lead towards the good. So I I, I got to keep doing the the sound bites. I'm sorry. Just trying to put this this monstrosity <laughs> together. <laughs> so that does it for this episode of Appetite for Distortion. When will you see the next one? Well, the words of Axel Rose concerning Chinese democracy. I don't know if as soon as the word, but you'll see it. No! Fuck it! No! Thanks to the lame ass security, I'm going home.